Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. It's a good day. It's a good weekend. Uh, In fact, tomorrow, we saw in that video a clip of Martin Luther King Jr., one of the guys I respect most in our history, uh, not just for what he said, although what he said was masterful, his speeches, his messages, his sermons, Uh, Not just how he said it, which was always in love and always promoting peace, but his actions, the way he lived, the way he walked out what he believed about justice and equality and so forth. And so tomorrow, uh, here at Hope, we we give all our staff off. It's celebrating that day and and the the impact and influence that he had. So I encourage you and your families to talk about that today. Talk about that tomorrow, um, about some of the things that we still have a long way to go, and it just seems insane that we do, but, but we do. And here at Hope, um, on the last Sunday of this month, the 29th, we have cookies and conversations, and these are racial kind of uh, healing conversations that we want to just get to know each other. We're not talking about anything political or anything crazy. We're just getting together. So that's here at the East Campus. If you'd like to join us, that's Sunday, <clears throat> uh, uh, January 29th. And every fifth Sunday, we do something like that, like this. It's called the Unity Table. And so I'm grateful for our team that, that puts all this together and, and grateful for Martin Luther King Jr. and his impact in our lives. Now, uh, guys, if you're a man in the room, 16 and above, uh, this, this uh, conference, February the 17th, Foundry Conference, our men's conference, man, I'd love to invite you. This is a great time. If you're new to Hope, maybe uh, maybe you just moved here this summer and you're or, or you're this, this fall, or maybe you just got here the last few weeks. We're so glad that you're here uh, from California or wherever you came from. <laughs> Seems like everybody's coming from California, and we love California. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this is a great time to connect, great time to, to meet some, some guys and, uh, and hear some incredible speakers and some great worship. So there's a QR code. I'll leave this up here for a second. You can uh, just zero in on that with your phone and, and get signed up. It's early right now, so you can get the, the special price. If you wait, you just pray more, all right? So that's uh, Friday the 17th. Now, today, starting uh, or finishing, or not finishing, we're in the second week of a series that we're, call, that we're calling Revival. And I, and I want to go back to last week and, and talk about some of the things that we laid out foundationally for this series. Because many of us have a different context for revival depending on how you were raised, what church you came out of, or if you came out of church. And I want to just get us all on the same page. So last week I gave us kind of a definition of of revival. And and here's that definition. It's when a group of believers simultaneously, and I think that's an important uh, word, that, that when we together, a group of people, now this works the opposite way as well. And I think that's where we are in America as far as the church is concerned. Not all churches, of course, but I, I do think there is this kind of lull, kind of a sleep, kind of a compromise, kind of a simultaneously we have, we have been uh, trapped into what the world offers. And even though we're still believers and even though we still love Jesus, there, there are many of us in pockets of that. But I'm just saying simultaneously as a group, the church seems more asleep than it does alive. Now, if 
if we all, and, and I can only speak for hope, but if we here all at hope decided that, that we would simultaneously ask God for a supernatural transformation of our lives, what that means is it would bring conviction of some of the sin, contrition that, that our hearts would be uh, not prideful, but humility, uh, humility and, and repentance of sin. Then a renewed, and when I say sin, some of you are thinking, oh, the bad sins. No, I'm talking about complacency, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, those kinds of sins as well, not just the sexual sin or not just the, uh, the, the, the big sins that we think of. I'm talking about every sin. And then a renewed awareness of God's presence, right? How, how, I mean, listen, that, that song that we sang, uh, the second one, the, the Jesus song, I speak Jesus over my family. I speak, man, I, I know I come from a Pentecostal background, but man, I don't know how you could stand there, just stand there, like, hey, good song. Man, I'm like, how could you just stand there, okay? But I, that's okay, I love you anyway. <clears throat> but it just tells me we need a renewed awareness of God's presence. When, when he's among us, when two or three are gathered together, he's here. And as we sing our praises, God inhabits the praises of his people. So uh, a renewed hunger for God's presence, a hunger for God's word, a compassion for the lost, and humility to love and serve the body of Christ. So, so simplified, okay, let me just simplify it, okay? Believers coming alive in their faith and not yet believers becoming believers. That's revival. Us, believers, coming alive. Humbling ourselves before the Lord. Developing a hunger for him and his word and his presence. And, and then as a result of that, not yet believers, our friends, co-workers, neighbors, friends at school, they come to the Lord. And in, in, in the 60s and 70s, I don't know if you knew this about church. We're in, the, in, in Southern California, that's where basically it started, this Jesus revolution, the hippies. Remember the hippies of the 60s and 70s? And the surfers out there and the potheads and the, what are the druggies and all those things. Well, a, a little church, Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, just began to open their doors to these kids that had long hair, sandals, no shirt, whatever, and, and they just started coming to church. And it started a movement in that area, and then it spread throughout the, the, the nation, even the world for that matter. Those are, that's when simultaneously people, believers, come alive in their faith, get compassion for those who are lost, not judgment, but compassion. And then God begins to do some, some things that you never dreamed would be. Have you heard of Greg Laurie? He came out of that. He, came, he was one of those druggies in high school, and, and he came out of that. Now he, he's a pastor in, in Riverside. Anyway, so, so that's what I'm talking about. When we just simultaneously, Hope Fellowship, we just ask God at the same time, God, would you move? And, and my thought about this is that we would look at revival as less of an event and more of a lifestyle. Now, when I was growing up, we had revivals, and, and we would, you know, publicize it, right? Revival, so-and-so evangelist. Nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't mean to demean that at all. We, there's fine. That's fine. But less of an event, more of a lifestyle. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But last week, continuing my little review, okay, because I think this is important for setup, we talked about the word return. Uh, return to God. Some of us have fallen. We've lost our first love. Return to passion. Some of us were dead or are, are dead and we need to become alive. And some of us, we need to be humble rather than prideful. Return to humility. Today, 
The word is refresh. Refresh our spiritual lives. I want to go back to Revelation 3. Just going to read one of those letters to the churches. And here's what it says, John writing. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. So, so when I say refresh our spiritual lives, what I, what I, this is really what I'm talking about. There, there's parts of us and pockets of us here at Hope that are alive, that, that really are wanting a move of God in our hearts and in our lives and wanting to see people come to the Lord and inviting our friends and going to Regen and you know, all those getting involved in, in, in Bible studies and so forth. But there's a lot of us, and, and, and again, this is not one of those, like, I'm going to get mad at you and, and really feel, make you feel bad, so you walk out of here going, man, I think I might go to hell. You know, and that's not this kind of message. I just, I just want to challenge you as your pastor that, that I think there are some of us that are right here that we have a reputation. We were once alive, but, but we're on the verge of something's about to die. And he says, strengthen what remains, what, what, what little you have left, because it's about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. And, and in all these, these challenges that Jesus gives to the churches, he always says repent. And, and I've heard this recently, last few years, that Christians don't need to repent. We've already done that, and Jesus has done the work. That is not biblical, when, when we are outside of God's will, we repent. We don't repent to get saved again. We repent because we've grown complacent, because we've lost our first love, because we've get, gotten distracted. So wake up. Wake up. So that's what this is about, refreshing our spiritual lives. Now, if I were you, and anytime I put a message together, right, I'm thinking of if I'm sitting in the in the chairs, what, what, what am I thinking? What, what am I thinking about when, when I mention, you know, you're dead or you need to refresh or you need to be passionate about God? And, and a good question that I might be asking, especially if I'm not there, like if I'm not like in a, in a live state, is how do I get hungry for God? Last week, I talked about that a lot. Man, hunger for God, hunger for his word, hunger for his presence. And many of us may ask the question, what, what do I do if, if I don't hunger? And, and again, please understand, I'm not talking that, saying that you're not a believer. I'm not saying that, that, that you, you're not going to heaven. What I'm saying is that if you were honest with yourself, really honest with yourself, you could take or leave worship as far as the singing goes. You could take or leave it. In your personal life, whether you read the word of God, eh, I don't, yeah, it's not that important to me. Does that make sense? The, 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 really, the, the, the majority times of prayer is when something bad has happened. When, you know, something is really, really troubling you and then you go to prayer. But if you were honest, now again, uh, please hear me out. Don't, don't think this is going to a guilt thing. This is just helping us to, to figure out where we are. And are we dead or are we alive? Do we need a refreshing? And, and, and if we do and you don't feel it, 
For instance, that song that we sang, that second song, I speak Jesus, I speak Jesus, and you're just like, I mean, you feel nothing. Okay, what do we do when you hear messages like this? Get hungry for God. Get passionate for God. Refresh yourself spiritually. How do, can we even do that? And the answer to that is yes and no. Without God at work in our hearts, without God transforming our lives, we can't refresh our lives spiritually by ourselves. We can't just make it happen. We can't just will it and just say, I'm gonna get alive and I don't, if it kills me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel it in worship. I'm gonna, if it kills me, I'm gonna read my word. You won't last. You have to have the Holy Spirit working. But here's my, here's my encouragement to you. That if you have a hard time feeling it, if you have a hard time being, and if you're honest, you're just saying, John, I'm not hungry. I don't really have a hunger for his word. I don't have a hunger to necessarily be in his presence necessarily. I just don't even understand that. Maybe you come from a different background. Maybe you come from a Catholic background. And, and, and this worship and this kind of thing is really kind of new. Or maybe you come from a real liturgical kind of background. And this is kind of new. You kind of like it, but you're not sure if you should. Right? You're not even sure if drums are okay. Um. And again, this is not about style. This is simply about our hearts and, and, and where we are with him. And I, and I do feel like that this is a great series to start the year off, but not just the, the year off. This is every day that, that we would take some steps even if we don't feel it. Because remember this. Let me, let me put it on the screen. Truth is greater than feelings. Amen. Guys, there are going to be times when you don't feel like revival. There are going to be times when you don't feel like serving. There are going to be times when you don't, you don't feel like a refreshing or you don't feel like worshiping or you don't feel like giving or you don't feel like being in God's presence or you don't feel like getting into his word or praying. Does that make sense? Because there, there are times if you lift weights or if you are in a workout regimen or a diet, there are times when you don't feel like it. But you get up and you do it anyway, right? And then once you get there, you're like, okay, I'm glad I did this. Most of us. I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> but you just take a step. It's called discipline. Um, it's called, you know, kind of moving past the feelings and to the truth. And so to, to understand that there's truth, that God says, if you draw close to me or near to me, I will draw near to you. That's truth. Amen. And you may not feel it. You may not feel like getting close. You may not feel like going to church. I'm your pastor and there are times when I don't feel like going to church. <laughs> but you just, you, you get up and you, and you get your family ready and you come and, and most of the time, unless I'm talking about money, you're glad you came, <laughs> right? But you gotta remember that truth is greater than feelings and so the challenge is that we just take a step today whether we feel it or not. And I think going back to this lifestyle thing, I think we find a pattern in the book of Acts for lifestyle revival as opposed to event revival. Now, please don't, I'm not against events. We have events all the time. We've got a men's conference. We've got a women's conference. We've got youth movement conference. we got all, okay, so, so I'm not against events. But 
What would it look like if we all here at Hope, in this area, thousands of people across our area and across all of our campuses, what is simultaneously, we just said, God, do it in me. Remember that circle? You, you just draw that circle and say, God, I'm praying for this circle that revival would happen in this circle, that revival would happen in me. And if all of us were doing that, it, well, let's just say if it's 75% of us did it. What would happen in our families? What would happen in our communities? What would happen in our church? I believe there's a pattern for this. Super simple. I've, I've taught on this passage so many times, it's not even funny, over the last 23 years. Acts chapter two. Let's start with verse 43. This is the early church, the birth of the church. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and, listen to this, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. In other words, the people that weren't yet believers liked them. Can we say that today? I'll come back to that later, sometime in the future. I don't know. And each day, listen, listen to the greatest revival the world has ever seen in the early church. lasted for years and years and years. And the only thing that messed it up is when the church got in bed with the government. And I'm, I'm just telling you, the answer to America is not in Washington, D.C. The answer to America, listen, the answer to America, and I know that, that offends some of you. You can love, you can leave, and if you want to, I'm just telling you, the answer to America lies right here. Draw the circle and ask God to move in you. Draw the bigger circle around our church and ask God to move right here. And man, when he does that, guys, anyway, okay. The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, how does all of this happen? A great awe came over them all. In other words, they were like, wow. This is not a program. This is not like an event. This is God. How did this happen? Verse 42. This is how it happened. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I've never taught on it like this, but here is a, and I hate to say it like this, recipe or like a, an outline for revival, but, but we just saw what happened. The Lord added to their church and the goodwill of all the people. They loved the church. They loved what was going on. They, they were just good people, and they, they were impressed. They were influenced by the church in those days. And that's, that's why it turned, they turned the world upside down in those days. How so? Let me give you the points just quick. Number one, they devoted to spiritual growth. They devoted themselves to growing spiritually. Number two, they devoted themselves to other believers. And number three, they devoted themselves to prayer. Those, this is, I know this is simple. I know this is like you know 101, but this is what changed the world. 
This is what changed the world. Number one, devoted to spiritual growth, Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and let me just put it on the, on the board quickly, but this, this is number one. They, they just chose to engage. They chose to connect with God and spiritual disciplines, Bible reading. Prayer. Now, they didn't have Bibles at that point, but they just got together. And the disciples downloaded what Jesus had been teaching them for three years. And they just talked about how, how they were to live and, and how Jesus taught them to associate with other people in the world. And, and how Jesus taught us to love and to show compassion like the Good Samaritan. And all those things. They just talked about how do, how do, we, how do we grow? How do we become closer to God? Not by the law, but by the Spirit. Choosing to gather together. They chose to, to gather together. They, they attended uh, their meetings regularly together. And, and I encourage you, this, I know January 1st, uh, I encouraged everyone that, that COVID really changed the church in a lot of ways. And, and many, many people, and, and again, I know there are some extenuating circumstances where health-wise, it, it just is really, it's still, you know, because flu and, and, and COVID things still going around a little bit. But many of us just got kind of lazy, kind of complacent, and, and our gathering together has is, is just not been so important, and we're grateful for online. Pastor Mary, who does a great job online, pastoring those people all over the country. But in our area, many people just stay home because it's easier, and I get it, but that's not what happened in the early church. They met together. Paul, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because there's something important when we come together as we worship and as we learn, as we grow, as we serve, as we love, as we give, all those things. They, it matters. And they got connected. Let me ask you a question. How long have you been coming to Hope and, and are you connected anywhere besides just attending? And I want to encourage you, not in a spiritual headlock kind of way, but, but just as we talk about revival and we talk about a move of God and we talk about a lifestyle of revival and a refreshing from the Lord, guys, this is what the early church did. Let me put it on the screen like this. There is no way that we're going to be able to refresh our spiritual lives without consistently adding spiritual things to our lives. Amen. I want you to think about this just for a second because I think everybody would agree with this, but in practice, this is harder than it looks. Because our kids have all kinds of activities that they're involved in. And, and man, don't take this wrong. Well, you can take it wrong. Our kids have become a God in our lives. They come first no matter what. And I'm just telling you, that priority will get you and them messed up. We don't put kids first. We put God first. And I'm not just talking about church attendance. I'm just talking about in our families We've got so many things going on with our kids, and I'm, this is not a, I'm not trying to make you mad at me. I'm just saying, think about this. Because if you're gonna add some spiritual things, you're probably gonna have to subtract some other things. So again, this is not just easy to say, oh yeah, amen, that's great. It's one thing to, to believe it. It's another thing to live it. Adding some thing. When's the last time you had a consistent Bible reading thing going on? When I say consistent, I'm not talking about legalism. Please understand me. I'm not talking about if you don't read your Bible, then you know you're, you're going to be messed up or, or whatever. I'm just saying that 
there are some things that the, the early church did in the greatest revival that ever hit this world and changed the world. They just did some simple things. They devoted themselves to spiritual growth. They were connected together. I think it's important. I think it's important. Number two, they devoted themselves to other believers. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Now, I want to tackle this a little bit differently. I, I want to get out of just they, you know, they fellowshiped at the church and they got together for Bible studies and so forth, which is great. But, but I want us to look at this a little bit different. They were committed to other believers. In other words, their closest friends, the people who influenced their lives the most, were other believers. So I want you to think about this. Here's your life. And in your circle of friendships, who's in your circle? Now I want you to, outside of your family, I want you to think of who's in your circle. Right now, just in your mind, if you're in middle school or high school or a young adult in college or if you're an adult, single or married, I want you to think of three or four names that are in your circle, the closest people to you. Okay? Let me ask you some questions. Do we need to change some of the people in our circle? And here's what I mean by this. Are the people in your friendship circle believers pushing you toward the things of God are pulling you away from the things of God? Are the people in your circle the kind of people that are praying with you or over you when you're going through whatever it is that you're going through? The closest, I'm talking about the closest people. And again, I'm not talking about we disband with meeting with people who are not believers. Of course we do. Jesus did that. He led the way in that. But I'm talking about the people who have influence in our lives. Are they pushing us? And I, I know I talk about this a lot. But this is, listen, I'm not just talking to teenagers today. Because many adults say, yeah, please teach that, John, because my kids need to learn. Yeah, no, you need to learn. Mom, dad, who's in your circle that's closest to you? Just show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But that's, only, that's not just true for kids or teenagers. It's true for all of us. That's the first question. Do, do, do some people need to change? in that circle. Now the second question is, do we need to change the environment or atmosphere of our circle? No, no, <clears throat> again, you're gonna be glad you brought a friend today. <clears throat> what I mean by this is when you're with your, let's just say they're believers. So let's, let's say the answer, the first answer you were like, okay, good question, John, I'm good. I'm surrounded by a lot of people who love the Lord. And, and uh, man, I'm glad you asked that, though, because somebody next to me needed that. Right? But let's just say that circle is filled with other believers for the most part. You know, I know we have all different levels of commitment to the Lord, but most, most of your circle is filled with believers. But when you gather together 
um, what's happening in that circle of friendship? Is it, a, is, it a, is it more of a gossip kind of, well, let's get together and let's just talk about how we don't like John's message from last weekend or, you know, whatever, right? How much we don't like the president or the other president or whatever. Is it filled with a bunch of things that are, that are not necessarily evil or bad? They're just, they're just not spiritually motivating. I have a concern, and, I'm, and again, you know I'm not legalistic. I am not a legalist. I came out of legalism, and I don't want that in my life. I don't want to teach that. I don't want to pour that over you and make it, make it you know, you make you feel like, man, you can't have fun or, you know, whatever. But um, put that circle back up, would you? <clears throat> the circle, the white circle. <laughs> so, man, many times, even with other believers, one of the things that is the most motivating thing to get together is alcohol. And I'm not against alcohol. Uh, Jesus drank wine, and it was fermented. So don't send me no email saying it was grape juice. It was not grape juice. I was taught that when I was growing up. It was not fermented. It's ridiculous. Then why did they say don't get drunk? All right. Now, now hear me out. Before you get mad, before you get angry, and I'm not talking to those of us who have an addiction or we're really trying to get out of that. Okay, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I understand those things are real. God loves us and, and there's so much grace and mercy and, and we have regen and, and there's other things to help us. I'm talking about just circle of friendships and one of the motivating factors of getting together is you bring in the booze. What are you bringing? And we're just gonna have it up, and I'm telling you guys, not wise. The early church, when they got together, when they fellowshiped, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, including the Lord's Supper. Be careful that in your circle, make sure, maybe, maybe there's some things about that circle that you need to change, even as believers. And again, you know, please hear me. I'm not legalist. I'm not saying you can't drink. I'm just saying, guys, be careful that that's the motivating factor. We can't wait till Friday night because we're going to have some fun. And I see it on Facebook, so don't you think, don't you think, I don't watch what's going on. And I just sit there judging, just judging. I really am not, I really am not. But I'm telling you, I really believe in our area, it's a motivating factor because there's so many wrong things in our lives and so many stressful things in our lives that the only thing we think is just gonna give us a little bit of relief is that Friday night or Saturday night. And I'm just telling you, be careful because the only thing that will provide true peace in your life is Jesus. Amen. That's the only thing in your life. And revival will never happen to a group of people who are so carnally minded when they get together, even as believers, nothing good happens like that. Does it make sense what I'm saying? I'm talking about excess too. I'm not talking about a glass of wine. I'm talking about excess. I'm talking about like we're just together to have a, a, a big, you know, whatever you would call it, liquored up, all right? Okay, so I'm glad you came. So glad you came. Still glad you came. All right, let me put it on the screen like this. There's no way 
we're going to be able to consistently refresh our lives spiritually if the people around us are not helping us pursue that journey. What if, just what if, we change some environments of our circles? And it was, and, and, and we, can I just tell you, I know some of us raised in a, in a church where you couldn't, you know, take communion on your own. It had to be administered by a priest or by a pastor. Guys, can I tell you the early church did not have to do that? Can I just encourage you that when you get together with your circle of believers, man, why don't you change it up a bit and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to celebrate the Lord's Supper. My pastor talked about this the other day. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. You don't, you, don't have to be, you don't have to have a license to do it. You don't have to be ordained to do it. Take a piece of bread. This represents the body of Jesus. Take some grape juice or wine. I don't care. And, and say, hey, Lord, we are so grateful for your grace in our life. Can I just tell you, that will change the environment. Now, you may have some friends walk out of the circle <laughs> thinking, I don't want that. And that's okay. The third, all right, let's go. We gotta go. The third, number three, number three, devoted to prayer. Now, I know when I was growing up, the least my least favorite service to attend was a prayer service, growing up. And I don't mean to make fun. I'm not making fun. I'm just giving you the reality. My mom, when it was summertime especially, there was sometimes during, I think there was one day a week that there was like prayer meeting, and it was all ladies mostly because, um, I know this sounds bad, but the guys were working, ladies, and I know some ladies were working back then, and I'm not saying anything about work, about ladies, you can work, you can do whatever you want to. All I'm saying is... You know, there's nothing, you can't say anything these days without it being like, oh my gosh, cannot believe it. Anyway, doesn't matter. Mom would take me, because I, I was the only child and I was too young to stay at home alone, so whenever I would go to prayer meeting and it was boring. Holy cow. She would kneel down at the altar or the bench and I would be like, oh. and it was like an hour which to a kid, like, it's like an all-day event, and it's like out of my, it's a wonder that I'm even here today, right? <laughs> my mom was here last night, and I gave her a hard time about it. Let me, let me help you to understand prayer just a bit. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and to breaking bread, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Prayer is not an over-religious or hard thing to do. And I know many of us don't feel qualified. Many of us don't feel comfortable. If I were to ask you to come up here right now, first of all, that would be the first mistake. But second of all, if I asked you to pray, right, how many of that would be mortifying? If I just said, hey, would you come up and close in prayer? How many raise your hand? You'd just be like, no. I would look at you and say, absolutely not. Okay, a lot of liars, but that's okay. <laughs> a lot of us don't feel comfortable. You just don't feel comfortable. Guys, Prayer is easy. It's like talking to a friend, and I'm not making light of who God is. I know he's God. Hallowed be your name. So I'm not suggesting that that, he's on our level and we just talk to our buddy. But the way that you talk to your spouse or the way that you talk to to a friend, that's how you talk to God. You let him know your fears. You let him know your sins. You let him know your needs. You let him know you need wisdom for a decision coming up. Where do I need to work? Where do I need to move? Who do I need to marry? All, you know, all those things. You pray over your church. You, just, you talk to them about your friends. You talk to them about your family. You talk to them about your own life. 
That's all you do. That's all you do. So, so this year, I'm going to change it up a little bit. And, um, and I know some of you would love for me to be more political um, about some things. And I understand that. I understand that. I don't feel called necessarily to, to get involved in, in some of those things that I feel like some of you would like for me to. For me to. I just think I want to stay on mission. And I don't say that to get applause. or Because or, or, I understand there's, there's valid disagreement. All I'm saying is I got to do what I'm called to do. Amen. But, but, I've thought about this a lot. How could we get involved as a church? What would be the best way for us to get involved politically? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to get involved in other ways. I'm just saying the best way is to pray. pray. So every month in, in a service, one time a month, and in my e-news every week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray over our country and our leaders. We're going to pray for President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the Congress. I know some of you really dislike our leader right now. Can I just tell you that the more you pray, the less you will dislike? What I mean by that, I'm not saying you'll come in agreement. I'm not saying that, or if it was Donald Trump, many of you dislike Donald Trump. But I'm just telling you, when you begin to pray for somebody, that hatred or that dislike for them personally, as you begin to pray over them and their family and their, their wisdom and the people around them, guys, you will, you will begin to love them like Jesus loves them. Does that make sense? I don't know of any better way to pray for our, to get involved in our country than to pray for our leaders. And then we're gonna pray for four to five states a month. And we're gonna go in alphabetical order so you're not wondering, why'd you put California first, right? <laughs> okay. it's, not, it's not in the first four. It's, it's the next, it's the fifth one, alphabetically. So all of this is alphabetical, okay? So we're gonna pray for the four to five states with their governor, okay? And then we're gonna pray for revival amongst believers every month. Usually the second Sunday of the month, we're gonna pray over these things as a church. And then weekly in my email, I will give you all this information who we're praying for the states, their governor, states of governor, and then in general, we're going to pray for revival in the churches. Now, remember when I, when I talked about taking a step? Many of us, and I understand this, I'm the same way. Most of what I've said today, you're like, yep, man, I'm with you, man. Good stuff. But we will walk out of here, go to brunch, or, you know, get to the pre-service I'm pre-service, pre-game, you know, things going on with, uh, by the way, did y'all watch that game last night? Jaguars and and Chargers, that was crazy, crazy. Anyway, many of us will, 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 our minds will immediately go away from what we just talked about. And it happens to all of us. That's not, it's just human, we're human. So this week, to start us off this year, what I'm gonna invite you to do is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the church is going to be open 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And you can come. I'm not gonna, we're not going to lead anything. There's not going to be worship. It's just you and God. Bring your Bible. Bring a journal. I'll have sheets for you. Actually, it's going to be on the screens of the country, um, our country. I'm sorry, the states that we're praying for. Churches, you know, revival amongst believers. And then each day, we're going to read the book of Titus. There are three chapters in the book of Titus. 
And each day, I'm going to have a commentary and some questions for you as you read that chapter, things to think about each day. So I'm asking you to, now I understand that some of you have work and it's just impossible for you to come. But a lot of us, and again, I know what, it, I know what happens when I call for a prayer service. Nobody comes, right? No, I mean, it's just like, and, and I'm just saying, that's okay. This is not about numbers or anything like that. But I'm saying some of us need to take a step. And if I just left this in your hands, in other words, just do it on your own at home, many of us would just not do it. We would get busy and we would get scheduled and we would just put it off or whatever. This week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., you could come before work, you could come at lunch or any time in between and just come to the church and say, God, I'm drawing the circle and I need you to do it in me. Remember, truth is greater than feelings. Truth is greater than feelings. Take a step. You may not feel like coming. You may live far. You may not like, and go to a campus that's close to you. Every campus will be open, except Prosper, because we're not finished with that yet. But wherever you work, find that campus, and you just find one, West Frisco, McKinney, here, I invite you to not just say, I'll do it home, I'll do it from afar. I want you to come and spend some time with God. There's gonna be plenty of room for you to get away. Some music will be going just slightly and, and you can just spend some time with God and say, hey, Lord, I don't even know if I feel this. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm just gonna come and I'm gonna draw the circle and I'm gonna ask you to do things in me that I cannot do myself. Lord, it's so good when your people dwell together in unity there's something that happens when, 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 when simultaneously we unify ourselves spiritually and we fill our lives with spiritual things and we, we fill our lives with spiritual people and then we humble ourselves in, in prayer asking for you to do something in me, asking you to do something in our church, asking you to do something in our state, asking you to do something in our country and even our world. So I pray that, Lord, today, as we take steps, some of us need to take that step physically and arrange our schedules so that we can just come by ourselves and just spend some time with you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our hearts and lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.